that triggered all of those unprocessed emotions. And I started to take an account and an inventory of the quality of the relationships in my life. Because you know, sometimes death has a way of making you reflect. Yes. And as I was processing through that, I didn't know that that was really God nudging me in my spirit. Welcome to another episode of the Ageless Conversations podcast. I'm Tamika from TamikaMcTeer.com. If you are new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community that believes that there is no age that defines the life of every woman. So every week you'll hear a conversation that I know will inspire you to change your mindset, gain confidence, and live a lifestyle thriving, not determined by age. Joining us today on the podcast, we have Julian Alexis Robertson. She's a lover of God, his ways, and his word. For nearly seven years, Julian has devoted herself to an in-depth study of the Proverbs 31 woman. You can hear her biblically based insights and lessons learned via her blog, Campaign P31. Speaking at churches or in community outreach programs, Bible studies, teaching series, or through her signature course, Beauty in Forgiveness. And upcoming book in the spring of 2023, Releasing Rock Bottom. In every setting, Julian shares and encourages women to apply God's word to their daily routines in practical yet profound ways. Now with the launch of Noble Character Ministries, she is chasing after all that God has planned for her life with her husband of 13 years, Randon, their two children, Daniel and Rachel. Julian and Alexis, welcome to the Ageless Conversations podcast. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited. Yeah, excited to have you here and sharing just a little bit about yourself and who you are and what it is that you do with my audience. But I always like to tell the guests a little bit about how I know particular guests. And so for you and the audience that's listening, I had the opportunity to meet her and support her in an area, in a program that she recently did called Command the Stage. And got a chance to hear a little bit about her story. And I was like, oh, she has a very interesting story and one that I know would resonate with those that are faithful listeners here. And so I invited her to be a guest here on the podcast. So she graciously said yes. 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 Thank you for the invite. I'm super stoked. Super stoked. Of course. And so when you think about 2022 as a whole, what's one of the things that you have found commitment in as it relates to your self-care and honoring yourself? Oh, I think for 2022, I was waiting for 2022 to come and give me a break from the last two years. And what I have figured out more than anything is that the world has gone back to normal, but my normal is still stuck on 2020, 2021, because I believe that those two years just broke the mold for what I consider to be standard. And with that, I have to deal, I have to take care of myself differently than how I did before. I have to be very, very intentional about setting boundaries. Like you can't, you know, the old price is no longer the new price. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, yesterday's price, how do they say it? Yesterday's price ain't today's, not today's price. price. <laughs> and I yeah. think that's that's for self-care included. Like, it's just different. I have to slow down. I'm also two years older. I have to slow down, take my time. When I'm tired, I rest. When I'm ready to go, let's get it. Like, you know, it's all about really listening to yourself, your body, taking the time where necessary. So 
That's yeah. how I approach my self-care method. It's not, it's, there's no three-step method, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's I a love that. To it. Yeah, I love that how you talked about the whole boundaries things and just being aware of that. And then also acknowledging where you are, like we're in 2022. So two years ago, you're not the same person. You've gotten older. And even how you mentioned acknowledging that rest, because so many people like to go, go, go. And will know that they're asking for rest and know that they need it, but they don't honor themselves in that way and actually take up on that. So I love that you you know, are saying like, yeah, rest is a part of my self-care. Oh, absolutely. I even, it's, it's built into one of the things I teach the ladies and Sabbath rest is a thing. It's a thing. If you don't give your body what it needs, your body will take what it needs. Let's talk more about it. All right. So Sabbath rest is just one of the many biblical spiritual principles that I practice. So I found a company called Campaign P31. It's really a women's ministry, to be honest. And Campaign P31 is a platform for women who have decided to live life chosen and set apart. And so part of being chosen and part of living life set apart means that you do things differently than everybody else. So, you know, where the norm says, for example, on social media, you need to post multiple times a day in order to be, well, I don't operate off of those rules. I operate off of the higher standard, different set of norms, many of which are biblically based. And Sabbath rest is one of those biblical principles that I regularly practice, along with another one, which I think supports Sabbath rest pretty well, which is prayer and fasting. You know, this whole intermittent fasting thing is a phase and a trend and everything. But if many people who are faith-based or even spiritually inclined would just lean into the biblical principles that have already been kind of set out for them, then they would know that this is, you keep your body in shape because you, you know, you know when to turn your plate over. Yeah. And honor your temple. Honor your temple. Absolutely. Which is another point as you're like, you hear this rain. I'm out here in the rain. No, is coming I can't down. hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. It just came out of nowhere. But yeah, so honoring your temple, Sabbath rest, prayer and fasting, all of these are, are some of these are ones that I highlight within. I have a program that's out called Commit to Clarity, and it's all about streamlining your focus, streamlining your body kind of getting rid of toxins, both in your mind, in your relationship, in your faith, that's keeping you cloudy or fuzzy in the mind, you know, keeping you cloudy and not able to hear God's voice in your life. And so we just highlighted three of those things just naturally that I wasn't even <laughs> intended on that to happen, but yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And we'll, we'll probably circle back to that somewhere throughout the conversation. But I'd love for you to kick us off. And I know that you do a lot and talk a lot about like offenses. And so when you hear that word, how would you describe that word, the word offense? And how have Ooh. you seen it play out in your life specifically? Wow. The word I want to, I cannot pair it with another word. Go I'm going like to couple it with unprocessed offense. Mm-hmm. So for me, I am one who's very familiar with unprocessed offense, which is basically unforgiveness, right? Someone does something to you. You've done something to yourself, or you feel like you were slighted by God. One of those three categories. So 
For me personally, I found that people struggle with those, one of those three areas, forgiving themselves, forgiving others, or forgiving God. Mm -hmm. And and with that, I personally secretly struggled with unprocessed offense for, let's see, from the time I was in college until my mid to late thirties. And I'm 40 now. So that was a good 15 years. No Mm -hmm. one knew, but I struggled. If you cut me off or you offended me in some way, you wronged me, you, it, it could be something not, no, not like petty, but more so like you did something intentionally and you thought I didn't notice. And Mm. I am very, very, very aware. Yeah. You're very aware. And it sounds like maybe you've taken it personal. Absolutely. And I'm Mm non-confrontational. So that for me means that I shrink back, give you your space to do you and I get quiet. And then next thing you know, you look up and you can't find me. I've ghosted you. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way it used to be. That was my recipe for success. Or so I thought. Until? Until it all came crumbling down when about six years ago, my mom passed away. And in short, that triggered all of those unprocessed emotions. And I started to take an account and an inventory of the quality of the relationships in my life. Because, you know, sometimes death has a way of making you reflect. Yeah. And as I was processing through that, I didn't know that that was really God nudging me in my spirit. He was using that situation to nudge me toward, hey, Alexis, you got to deal with this because you keep cutting off people. You cut off vital relationships, not just friendships, not just business relationships, but also essential family relations. When you get into it, instead of just having a hard conversation with someone and giving them boundaries, you end up backing up and dealing and holding people hostage for things Mm. that they did to you years ago. Mm. You know, would you say when you think about that and and you have full on awareness that that's how you were processing. When you think back to like your childhood, would you say that's a behavior that you saw somebody show towards you and maybe it became like a learned behavior or even maybe not in your childhood if you don't think if you don't think it's somewhere where where that's a pattern of where that come from. Throughout your relationships and experience, do you feel like it's something that somebody may have did to done to you prior to and subconsciously it's a behavior that you adapted? You know what? I actually I don't recall seeing people do that. However, what I figured out, I probably was in, I was in college. Mm, This is interesting. Now that I look at this timeline, I was in college and I started to learn more about my family. My mom's mother passed away while I was in school. And I recall meeting my grandfather, my mother's um, paternal birth father uh, for the first time. And during that season, I just recall my mom, she's one of six and her sister, she has four, their four sisters total. They struggled getting through that season. And oftentimes we're always at odds and always arguing. And they ended up maybe two of them not talking to the other two. Mm-hmm. And I just remember hearing a conversation from my mom saying, oh my God, I really don't want to be like my mom. And I didn't understand what she was saying. As she started to talk, she she shared with me that my grandmother was one of two girls. It was just the two of them. And at, something had happened between the two of them and they were feuding in such a way that they hadn't spoken in years. And when my grandmother actually wow. reached out to call her sister, 
she found that her sister was deceased. Mm. So what I recognize now in retrospect is that although I didn't see this as a uh, learned behavior or really even experience it, my mother wasn't really the one who was involved in the not speaking. She always, I always saw her extending her olive branch. But what I now know is that was more of a generational curse. Mm. So amongst all of the women in the family on that side. And then what I also have observed on my dad's side is that they tend to write people off fairly quickly. It's really a blood is thicker than water type thing. Like even if you've been married into the family for a thousand years, (laughs) it's like, "Mm -mm, that's my brother, that's my sister, and we're going to ride, you know? So that I saw, that I witnessed, I didn't know how much of that rubbed off or maybe even the words planted seeds in the soil of my heart. But clearly there was something there. But if you're one that believes in generational curses and just the the power of how people can say and do things that cause trauma, emotional trauma mm-hmm. that is sometimes triggered and comes up in your life later, then that, my friend, that is what I feel like we hit on spot on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know that you have like these layers of forgiveness, these six layers of forgiveness. Can you yes. talk to us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Okay. So I always say that forgiveness is like an onion because it is the thing that makes you cry, but also the thing that brings your life so much flavor. And I'm a cook. So of course I would use that as an analogy, but you know, we're always constantly in life, finding ourselves pulling back the layers. Yeah, so the six layers of forgiveness is really, I I think the best analogy to help a person understand or get a visual image is, you know, unforgiveness is always there. There's always something that's going to trigger you, always something you're going to have to deal with. But it's like an onion, you know, it it always makes you cry, but onions are good for adding flavor to your life. So, you know, in my case, you know, dealing with losing my mom was a trigger that forced me to kind of go back through the process of looking at how I valued relationships and how I dealt with different people. And what I didn't know is that it was actually going to be a catalyst for really getting to the core of my own issues, Mm -hmm. forgiving myself one, and then learning how to forgive others. Also, the biggest season of testing ever to come out of that, it was probably three years after my mother passed. I found myself at my paternal grandmother's funeral when I'm sitting at this breakfast table at the pre-pass and I see my dad and his new wife stroll in from their Italian honeymoon. And, you know, at first it seems like, okay, you know, people are moving on with their lives. And for the most part, I was good with it, except for I felt abandoned. I'd Mm -hmm. already lost my mom. And here I am trying to deal with, you know, the idea of my dad moving on and all of our family history seeming like it was coming to an end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then, you know, I just kind of briefed through it. I did the whole, you know, in my best clear Huxtable way, greeting everybody. Hey, hey, you know, all that stuff. And then I I thought it was good until I got to the cemetery 
And that's when everything changed. My cousin asked me, hey, do you know where your mom's grave is? I'd like to go pay my respects. And at that moment, I found myself searching and searching, trying to find my mom's grave. We're in the heart of winter in January in Chicago. And I look and I'm trying to find it and I can't find her grave because she's missing a headstone. And the only way I'm able to find where she's located is because of a decomposed pumpkin that was smeared within the snow. Wow. That was left over from when my sister visited, I guess, in the season before. And it was at that moment, that rock bottom moment that I was just like, I have got to sort this thing out. It's so triggering. And I just decided, I said, you know, I am going to deliberately decide to release resentment. And that's the definition of unforgiveness or forgiveness that I'd like to use to deliberately decide to release resentment. And so then I came up with these six layers to this onion to kind of help people, not just myself, but to help others who also had similar problems or struggles to do the same thing. So the first layer in the acronym layers is a life of prayer. You just cannot, I mean, I know there are tons of people who, you know, maybe are not believers, but for me, I could not see getting back to a healthy space emotionally, mentally, physically, even without having a lifestyle of prayer. Yeah. It's really simple. It's just communication with the creator. I don't care. You know, like it's it's like how we're talking right now. I know. I I feel like so many people get stuck when you talk about prayer or when you tell them like make it a part of your life or, you know, sometimes people get stuck on things of what to say and really is truly the conversation. Just a natural conversation, just like you mentioned, just like you and I are having. It's just a normal conversation. And sometimes it's silence, too. Mm -hmm, Let's mm -hmm. be clear. Yeah. You know, every morning I get up and sometimes I'm so tired. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to say. So I just sit there in silence until I feel some inspiration or I, I sense something that causes me. And most of the time, it's actually not even verbal. I Mm -hmm. write my prayers in my journal. Mm It's just a coming to terms moment. That's funny that you mentioned that, that you write your prayers, because I write my prayers as well. I do verbalize prayers. I do say prayers out loud. My husband and I verbally pray together at times, but I do write a lot of my prayers out. It's funny. I I write my prayers out. I I love writing my prayers out. Just put it like that. I love writing them out. But I also write, I also have a gratitude journal that I use. And in that journal, it's not filled with prayers. Like Mm. some people may combine the two. For me, I differentiate the two. I'm definitely a combiner. You combine. Yes. So, (laughs) so, so I don't, I may start my prayers out, obviously giving thanks, but Mm. my prayers are just my prayers. And then I have a gratitude journal where it's just filled with nothing but thanks. Oh, that's so cool. I, you know what? We used to have a gratitude jar around here and I would make the kids, I would force them every day to write one thing they were grateful yeah. for. And then at Thanksgiving, at the end yep. of the year, we'd open them up and read them. Oh, that's cute. I like that. But sometimes it, it was silly. It was like, thank yeah. you, God, for these Cheerios. And I'm like, no, that is not. Yeah. It, it, it's something that I actually learned from a friend of mine a few years ago because she she told me that she did a gratitude journal every single day. And then I was like, every day? And then she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh. And so when we think about it, you may think about it like some people, you know, 
it's, it's natural to be like, oh, I'm grateful, you know, for this day. I'm grateful for having a roof over my head or I'm grateful for having food. But I think doing it daily and writing it down gave me the opportunity personally. And I believe it did the same for her. But for me personally, it gave me the opportunity to think beyond, not to say, not to say that I'm taking those day to day things for granted, but it gave me the opportunity to go beyond those day to day things. Yeah. Do you see what no. I'm saying? Of just yeah, like, oh, absolutely. I have a job. Oh, I have yeah, yeah. But you have to dig deeper because yeah. you'll run out of things to say right. if you don't it, actually it, stop and reflect. Right, right. And so it it allowed me the opportunity to just go deeper. You know what I'm saying? And so I love, I love that. that. Yeah, I love go it. ahead. I love it. No, no, no. I absolutely love it. I think that that is so wise. It's a great practice and a discipline, a personal discipline mm-hmm. to have. There's so many people who don't take the time to you can't see you can't complain and be grateful at the same time mm-hmm. you got to yep. choose one right and so being in the practice and the habit of being grateful, grateful. yeah keeps it, the complaining off the down. negativity yeah it keeps the yeah. complaining down the negativity and even though you know there may be something present in your life that is not the best if you had these 100 things over here that you literally could write and say that you were thankful for you know and it's just these one or two things over here that's, uh, still the good always outweighs the bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for that, you know, it's like you feel with joy. And, you know, I think of like Psalms and things like that. And you can literally say like, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it regardless Absolutely. of, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I, I love it. I love it. I'm here for it all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all day. Yeah. No, I think. So that prayer, that communication piece is absolutely essential. And then the second step, the second layer would be asylum and community, like really finding a safe space in community. It's so important. There's so many scriptural references about that, but like the biggest one, especially coming out of the season of pandemic is like not forsaking fellowship. I just had a reunion party that I went to maybe a week ago and I recognized that I hadn't seen those faces and hugged those bodies in like three years. I felt so weird, Mm -hmm. but it's so important because strength is found in community. Safety is in community, especially when you're dealing with something very challenging like unforgiveness. You really need to be around people who or season, maybe a selected few who will not judge you as you process your stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and to support you and also pray for you and with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's super important. Then, you know, yearning for obedience, like only obey. If God is saying to do certain things based on scripture, scripture references, or if you hear from medical, the medical industry and they're saying, Hey, holding on or harboring unforgiveness in your life is going, it can cause health problems. Choose to obey and make that a desire, make that a yearning to hear good information and apply it to your life. Also, just remembering to exercise your truth is so important to do the work. Do the work, figure it out. Like no matter how hard it is, sign yourself up for therapy because I believe in a combination of prayer and therapy. You know, I think the two of them allow for you to have tools and strategies, both in theory and in practice that allow you to work through something, work through an issue faster than you normally would getting you there quicker, getting you to your, not that there's a destination necessarily, but at least getting you along your way by going ahead and doing the work. So 
just exercising your truth in that. And then relating in order to sort. I know that sounds crazy, but you relate to sort. So when I say relate to sort, I mean, in every relationship, I think we are always analyzing the person that we're dealing with and trying to figure out where they fit, right? And one of the the things as I get older, this might be a 40 plus thing because my (laughs) tolerance, you know, I spent so many years with children as a classroom teacher. When I left that world, I recognized something very clear is that I have a lot of patience for children and not so much for adults, right? Mm. Because I'm like, you've been here longer. You should figure it out. You got it. But there's no grace in that. So now I have to look at the relationships that I have in my life, especially in this season of my life. And I kind of sort people in three categories. Like, Mm. is this relationship serving me? First of all, I guess. And if there's damage to that relationship, that's when I really get to sort. And I'm like, like a laundromat. I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm like, okay, is this this going to be restored? (laughs) Can we restore this relationship back to where it was? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or is this just kind of like, we're going to reconcile. We're going to be good. You know, it'll be cool. But are you going to release it? Huh? Or am I going to release it? Sometimes it's just a whole mess. And this relationship really, maybe it has served its time. It has run its course and respectfully leaving that person with their dignity, but mm-hmm. also releasing them to go experience life with other people in relationship mm-hmm. with them in a better way than I could ever suit them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and saying it in such a way where they, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. We're gonna and I think it's, it. I think it's so much power in being able to identify within relationships with individuals where where they honestly fall. You know? Yeah, yeah, I and, love that. And, and doing some evaluation of that relationship, oftentimes people will hold on to a relationship just because of the length of time they may have known someone, or the or the way in which they were connected, or because they are family and things like that. And yeah, and that then still the other thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. The other thing is that people sometimes want to be the hero in other people's lives and they don't give, they don't actually identify with them, that they are not capable of being that. And mm-hmm. you just sometimes sit back and yeah. take a seat and yeah. your no is someone else's yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? What's your inspiration behind creating campaign P31? Oh, wow. You know what? Campaign P31 actually came from Proverbs 31. I would remember, I remember so clearly when I was a young woman who was single and, you know, chasing after God and trying to figure out what it meant to be this ideal Christian woman. Right. And I remember seeing that scripture and people would always point to it. I was like, this checklist right here, I don't know who she is, but I don't think I'm ever going to (laughs) arrive, right? And so what I recognize is that this actually wasn't one individual woman. This was actually a compilation of things that were highlighted as, as character traits of a godly woman, not one person, but like these are good things or good things to strive for, right? And so what I found in this campaign is this community brought together women who have strengths of all kinds, right? Some are, you know, have a strong background in finance. Some have an entrepreneurial spirit. Some are real estate agents. Some are writers. Some are speakers. Some are mm-hmm. singers. Some are creatives. Like, you know, and when we come together collectively, we create this community, this campaign who is actively seeking God and also, um, 
in the sense of iron sharpening iron, we're sharpening one another and we're, we're rubbing against each other. And whereas I am, you know, I might be more creative than my sister who's next to me. She's teaching me how to manage my finances so that I can actually do the creative thing yeah. and still not go under, you know? And so that's where it formed. It actually started as a blog. It started the day after my mother told me she was diagnosed with cancer. Wow. I was already on a spiritual quest and that was the day. She told me April 1st, she told me April 1st, 2016 and April 2nd, 2016, I started the blog. And at that point, yeah, it was crazy. Out of the pain of that moment, I just thought that I, as I'm developing into this woman, I wanted to document and record my journey and what that meant for her. And I really intended for her to be able to tell some of her stories and walk with me. But there was literally only 10 months between her diagnosis and her transition. And so we didn't have an opportunity to do that. But this is sort of her legacy that in her passing and her moving to the next phase, I was able to step up into everything that God wanted me to be and find a whole bunch of women who wanted to do the same. And we've just kind of been on this journey ever since. So I love that. That's so good. That's so good. And wait, six years later. Yes, absolutely. And still going strong, still going strong, got courses and stuff. It's just so, it's so intentional now. Like We've got the blog. We had a virtual conference a couple of years back. We're planning for a retreat in 2023. There's a book dropping in the spring. It's a whole situation that I never saw. And a lot of which was birthed through the pain that came out of her transition and also just trying to figure out relationships with my dad afterwards and family. So it's that scripture that says, what the enemy meant for evil, God intended for good. Mm-hmm. It's that. That's wow. why I said it's an onion. You know, it makes you cry. But then at the same time, it adds so much flavor. I would yeah. have been so stale and boring. So so what beauty have you found in forgiveness? Oh, great question. So beauty and forgiveness is a six weeks masterclass that I teach women. And I get to walk alongside them as they are pursuing their or finding their freedom and forgiveness. And the beauty that I have found is you. It's you. It's you, girl. Whoever's going through it, you think that it's, that this is too much, that this is not worth it. Some of, I've met so many women who were ready to give up, ready to die. Like, I mean, literally, they said out of their mouth, they were ready to go to the grave mm-hmm. with the level of frustration and the level of unprocessed defense that they had with, you know, an ex or a family member or whatever. Wow. And I had to, in a sense, in the six week journey, step by step by teaching, you know, you know, have a lifestyle of prayer, you know, discipline yourself, do the work, do, I was going through all those layers. And by the time they got to the end, we basically straightened her crown and let her know, listen, sis, you are the beauty and forgiveness. You're it. You're it. Don't wait for something else outside of you to show up and become beautiful or the situation to turn into some masterpiece. You are the masterpiece created in his image and after his likeness. You have to show up for yourself. You are the beauty and forgiveness. I love it. That's so good. And so you kind of told us that you have a book coming out in 2023 titled Releasing Rock Bottom. That's correct. What is? Go ahead. 
It's a 90 day devotional. So it's not your, you know, your average story. I haven't gotten into my story yet. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant <laughs> to start writing, but, uh, but the devotional will give you some practical tools and ways to kind of build those relationships, especially the spiritual relationship with God. It just gives you a moment to stop, to think about what it means to forgive self, others, and God in practical ways. Within 90 days, you should have some habits built. Love it. All right. Before I let you go, we're going to head into what I like to call our final four. I'm just going to ask you four short questions and you just respond with the first thing that comes to mind. There's okay. no right or wrong answer. So you don't have to be go. like afraid or nervous or anything. Okay. I'm nervous already. I'm sweating. <laughs> the first one is describe Asian four words or less. Your perspective, not number. Love it. That's different. And nobody has shared that before. So thank you for that one. This one is a fill in the blank. My name is and age has taught me. My name is Julian Alexis and age has taught me to take my time. Love it. Now, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Are you asked for permission or asked for forgiveness? And I want to know the why behind the answer that you choose. Wow. I would say I would say ask for forgiveness. I've never been the type of girl to wait for someone to give me permission to do anything. I just feel like, I feel like I've already been released from God. I'm going for it. Now, if I offend somebody, I'll I'll start. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Comfortable silences or nonstop conversation? I could do either. You can do either. Mm -hmm. All Um, right. I like awkward silence. Awkward silence. Awkward silence. Huh. So awkward silence, is it developed from a conversation and then something is left open-ended? And so then it goes into awkward silence? Yes. And also, awkward silence is the pause that's longer than necessary, but because you're thinking. I like it. All right. Tell the people where they can connect with you after this podcast and share any final words that you have for our listeners. Wonderful. Well, I'm so grateful. Thank you again, Tamika. I'm so grateful to be able to hang out with you and just have this conversation. You guys can follow me over at campaignp31.com. And you also catch me more frequently, probably on IG at campaign, P as in Paul, 31. And most of the time you'll catch a live or something and I'm hanging out and having fun in the chat. So that's where I get to be myself. So I'll, I'll be excited to see some folks come on through. All right. And do you have any final words for our listeners? Oh, yes. Final words. Listen, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. All, all I really want people to know is that forgiveness is for giving. It's for giving away. It's not for you keeping and and holding people hostage with or lever, you know, holding it over their head. It's actually a gift for you to give to someone else because someone forgave you. Love it. Thank you so much for being a guest here today. I've enjoyed our time together. Yes, me too. Thanks so much, Jamaica. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Ageless Conversations podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. Your review really does help others find out about the podcast. As always, you can head over to my website now at TamikaMixier.com to sign up for my email list, as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. 
That's all for this episode. Talk to you all next week.